Amen. Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, faith, when we talk about faith, faith can seem like a mystery. You know, does a lack of faith keep God from moving? Is faith just simply belief? You know, when we think about faith, a lot of times we'll think about John 15, where he talks about the pruning, the vine and the branches, and we see those who have no faith, those who have faith, those who have more faith, and those who have much faith. And so there's degrees of faith. And so what is faith? That's what we're talking about this morning. What is faith? Because it seems like this mysterious thing that we talk about, and we kind of we kind of feel like we know what it is when we see it, but we don't know how to define it. And so, as we begin, we're moving into the Hall of Faith, and the reason Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith is it runs down all these people by faith, so and so. And we're going to get into that in the days ahead, but this morning, we're going to be focusing on the first three verses of Hebrews 11 as we talk about what is faith. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray this morning that you'll speak to us. I pray that we'll hear from you. I pray that we'll understand what faith actually is. And that when we leave here today, it won't be a mystery that we'll be able to clearly explain what it is and why it's there. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as we discuss faith, we're going to look at its definition, how it affects our relationship with God, and how it affects our ability to see into the spiritual realm. And so we begin with a faith defined. We're told here, faith is the assurance, your Bible might even say substance, of things hoped for or expected. And so for hope to be valid, there needs to be a level of viability of what we're hoping for, right? I can't hope one day that I'm going to grow feathers and fly. That's not hope. That's not real. That probably is never going to happen outside of the hand of God making that feathers grow out of my arms and making my bones hollow and me weigh a lot less so I can get up in the air. And so hope has to have some viability for it to be real. And that's where Faith comes in. You see, faith turns hope into confidence because of who it's placed in. See, our hope isn't in the things. Our our hope is in Him. And so a key element of faith is hope in Christ, hope in God. Because of that, because we hope in Him, the things that He says, the things that He instructs us with are real to us because of who He is. Not because we just believe it or will it to be so. And so he talks here about 
that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And so I began to think about what are the things we hope for? Because that's what he's applying it to. So what are the things that we hope for? Now, remember this. Let's go back for just a minute. Hebrews, we've spent a lot of time talking about the high priest and the sacrifice and all these things that were there. And who's he he, uh, writing to? He's writing to the Jews to show them that Jesus is better. So when he's talking about the things that he hoped for, he's talking about salvation in Christ. Because they had writings on the other. They had writings on the law. They had writings on all the things they were supposed to do. They'd come up with laws to help them keep from breaking the laws of God that they had added to it. And so here, he's talking about where our salvation in him is, is a big one. It's one of the things we hope for. You know, it's so funny that we will completely trust God for our salvation. But then we doubt him on the things of life. When things get tough or there's difficulties that we face. We go, well, I, and this is our phrase. It's more of an I hope so. I hope God comes through. But I know he's got me. I know I'm saved. He's done the hardest thing, but I'm not sure about the little. That's crazy. But we do that. So salvation. We hope for his return. You know, the Bible even talks about a crown for those who are hoping for the return and looking for the return of Christ. We may have to do a thing on crowns one day. We'll put that on Jeannie's list. There she goes. On the crowns that are promised and why they're promised and what they're promised for. But his return. He promised to return one day and we hope. We're looking for him coming in the east as the twinkling of an eye. So the return of Christ is something that we hope for. The existence of spiritual beings. You know, we were just talking this morning in class about a group back in the time of Jesus who didn't believe in anything beyond this life. The Sadducees, they rejected resurrection. They rejected angels. They rejected anything spiritual. To me, how could you even <laughs> how could you even have a, a, a religion without something beyond this? It makes no sense to me. And so we hope that those things are true. Our hopes, our beliefs in his plans for us, we hope for that. You know, we we would all say that God has a plan for our lives. Would that not be true? Right? Amen? God has a plan for our lives. And then we think it's this difficult thing that God hides from us. And it's like this mystery we have to try to figure out. Have you ever realized that when you're young? I know when I was in college, it's like I was reading all kinds of things on what is the will of God for me, for your life. And there's books and you can buy it and people will tell you and sermons have been preached on what is God's will for you. Let me tell you, you don't need to buy any other book than this book right here. This is the will of God for you. He even tells us, This is my will that you live godly in Christ Jesus. He tells us clearly what it is. And then as we live our lives, we godly in Christ Jesus, the things that he wants or how he's going to use us just come along, along the journey. Yeah, but pastor, that's not what I mean. Am I supposed to be an engineer or a preacher? Great question. 
That answer's in the Bible too. Did you know that? If you delight in the Lord with all your heart, He'll give you the desires of your heart. So it begins with Him. And then if you're delighting in Him, what you desire to do is from Him. You don't have to have to worry about that. You just go do it. And so we're hoping in our belief that He has plans for us. We're hoping that He'll never leave us. Well, wouldn't that be a, a tragic thing if God were to depart from us one day? That would be awful. Because He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we're actually hoping in His Word that His Word is true, right? Isn't that where it brings us back to? And we'll get to His Word here a little bit later today. And so these are the things we're hoping for. And so faith is the assurance of those things because we put our confidence in Him. And he goes on in verse 1. He says, faith is the conviction of things not seen. Now, where does conviction come from? Conviction comes from a conversation with God, right? We don't convict ourselves. He convicts us. And so as he speaks to us, we have a conviction about the things not seen because he's explained it to us. When, I have, when somebody has, they say they've got a conviction, they're convinced about something. They're like, this is not for me, or this is for me. I've got a conviction against, it's usually against something, right? And so as we listen to the Lord, as, as He explains to us, as He interacts with us in life, faith is the conviction of things not seen. So we are convinced, not because we have seen it, we are convinced because of the interaction we've had with God that that which we don't see is real. Did y'all follow that? When I have it, when you're convicted, that's when God speaks to you, right? Yes? Okay. So we have the voice of God about something in our life. That's conviction. But it tells us here that faith is the conviction of things not seen. So God has a conversation. For that to be true, God has to have a conversation with us about the things that we don't see or we can't explain them because, by a calculator or because, yeah, I saw so-and-so do this and I know it's true because of that and I witnessed it. and that. It's because the voice of God was real to us. That the things that are not seen, heaven, let's pick something. Y'all believe there's a heaven? Why? That's not seen. That's faith. That's faith. That's how it works. We know it's true, right? We would argue that heaven is real. Because we have a conviction from the Spirit of God that the things not seen are real. That's faith. And so when he talks about faith is the conviction of things not seen, it's a settled confidence in the things God has revealed to you before there's any visible evidence. That's what faith is, folks. Faith is not, you know, this whole thing. You ever see people talk about faith and they say, oh, it's blind faith. Blind faith is not faith. Blind faith is hope in nothing. 
We're never called to blind faith. He makes it evident. He tells us in Romans that he's made himself evident by all creation. He speaks to our heart. He brings conviction. The Holy Spirit explains to us about Christ and what he did for us on the cross. We don't fall backwards. You've seen the trust fall. Y'all probably did it at camp when you were kids. That's not a realistic picture of this. If you want the if you want to do a trust fall, that's a realistic picture. You have to fall forward. You fall forward facing him. That's faith. Where your confidence is placed in him, and you act based upon that. Because faith without works is dead. We hear that in James, right? Y'all have all heard that. You say you have faith. I'll show you my faith by the works. You have no faith. So if you don't, so the works that we do, the actions we take based upon our confidence in God, that's when faith exists. That's what faith is. And so we see faith defined. But look here in verse 2 how that affects our relationship. He says here, For by it men of old gained approval. Now is faith only for old men? No. 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 Men of old, he's talking about men from a long time ago. Is faith only for men, period? No. Faith for all of us. But they gained approval by faith. Interesting. So without it, they were not approved. If they gained something, they didn't have it before, right? By definition. So, watch how this plays out. (laughs) Faith was required for God's approval. Faith affects our relationship with the Lord. If we don't believe in God by basing our life on what He said and what He's showing us, how can our relationship with Him ever grow and why would we want it to? If I'm not going to base my life on what God has said and what He's speaking to me about, how is my faith ever going to grow and why would I even care? <clears throat> you know, we talk about, oh Lord, grow my faith, grow this and, and you use me. But that requires an element of trust. And we go back to the original conversation. We trust him for salvation, but we don't trust him to lead our lives. We don't trust him to take care of us. You ever prayed about something and then went and tried to figure it out? And help God with the answer. I'm sure you guys have never done that. I've done it. That's how I know about it. So in case one of you have done it. I wanted to share that. Oh Lord. I pray for so and so. And then I get, I'm going back to my son. And go, how am I going to get them to do that? Right? Isn't that what we do? We don't trust God. We like to say we trust God. That makes us feel better. That's a good show, but it's not real. It's not genuine. We can play the game. There's a lot of places that you can go if you want to play a game. 
I'm not into playing the game. I want something real and genuine. You know, I don't want no cubic zirconia. I want a real diamond. But that takes pressure and heat. <laughs> but so does a cubic zirconia. But it's faster. We get it immediate. That's what we want. We want instant in this world today instead of the real thing. And so it affects our relationship. Faith affects God's decision to work through our lives. Because, see, they were approved or unapproved based upon their faith. See, if we're unwilling to trust and obey, well, what about the person that says, well, you just didn't have enough faith. No, that's not the way that works. We don't have the right to pronounce that on somebody. What are we supposed to do with each other? Is that what we're supposed to do? The Bible says not to forsake. This, this is coming. It's in Hebrews. It says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That you may encourage one another unto love and good works. Now. I'm sitting in the seat and I'm wondering why this didn't happen for me. And somebody comes along and says to me, well, if you just had enough faith, it would have happened. Now, how am I encouraged unto love by that? Or good works? The works I'm thinking of at the moment ain't good. If somebody's doing that to me. Right? Right? Or maybe what I was hoping for was not part of the plan of God. You know, we ought write this down, Gene. We ought to do something on the blessing of unanswered prayer. Uh, when we do that one, we'll put that on the sign outside. Sunday, the blessing of unanswered prayer. Because so often we pray for things that we want and they're not at all lined up with what God's doing. It's a very self-centered view of what God's job is in our life. Really, we have the job. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because he said it is finished. He doesn't have a job in your life. He gets to fellowship and sup with you. And he responds to us when we cry, when we reach out to him. And so faith, if we're unwilling to trust and obey, here's the deal. We get cheated because we miss out on experiencing the hand of God. If I'm not going to trust and follow what he shows me, I'm going to miss out on what he's wanting to do in that moment. If he's trying to put me in the game... And I sit over here on the bench with my oranges and I, I decide I'm not going in the game. Then I don't participate. If I'm unwilling to trust and obey, others get cheated because they miss out on God working through us on them. Have you ever, had, have you ever been in a situation, in a relationship... Or so, at work or somewhere at a store or a restaurant and somebody makes a comment and you feel that prompting of God 
and then you don't do anything about it? Say, well, I'm just, you know, that's kind of awkward to ask them that. Man, I'll tell you what, I, <laughs> I had this, there was the church I served at before I came here. The pastor who pastored it before the pastor that I served under. So the person he, he followed and had started another church, had retired from that and had come back here. <laughs> it was really interesting. And our pastor welcomed him. And the people loved him for it. Both of them. We were at a restaurant one night. And the waitress came over. And she started taking our order. And the only thing he wanted to talk about was her eternal salvation. And I'm like, dude, she's trying to take our order. And he's, he's telling her about Jesus. And asking her if she's saved. Trying to find out. I mean, this guy was on fire for soul winning. It was amazing to watch something that we would say, you know, that's a little uncomfortable was very easy for him because his heart was there. That's how God was using him. And, you know, there's moments for us that he shows us and speaks to us, family, friends, neighbors, parents or children. Or a difficult situation. You ever been prompted to just call somebody and apologize to them? And you're like, I haven't talked to them in so long. They may not even remember. We start rationalizing it, right? We do that all the time. Don't ask me how I know that. And so we find all these reasons to not do what God's called us to do. And then, but then we'll say, oh, I want God to use me. That's how God uses you. It's based on the relationship. Because maybe somebody's praying for a sign that God's real. And then they get a call from you saying, you know, I'm so sorry I did that. Maybe they had prayed about it and that's the answer to God's prayer. Or to their prayer, to God. And so we have to listen and follow some translations talk about these men that they've gained approval as gaining a good testimony. Listen, if there's a good testimony surrounding me about anything, it's when God moves. Because isn't a good testimony to say when Mark speaks or when Mark does it, we know it's God. We know God has done something. Not because... Well, God really wants to build Mark up today. God doesn't care about that. He did everything for Mark he ever had to do at the cross. Everything. He doesn't even owe me an answered prayer. He doesn't owe me a smooth and easy life. He doesn't even own any life itself. Here. He doesn't owe me anything. We get mad at God when God doesn't give us what we want. Isn't that ridiculous? That is so ridiculous. If you really start to break that down, that is such a self-centered view of our relationship with the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you ever been in a selfish relationship with somebody? 
man. <laughs> Did you hear that sound that went across the room? Ooh. That's what it sounds like, right? Now, how many of you have ever had selfish moments in a relationship? We all have, right? How many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody who had a selfish moment? Did that feel good to you? It's really offensive. You don't want anything to do with them, kind of, right? At that moment. So, if we based upon, if we based our relationship with the Lord just on our prayers, would that be a selfish relationship on our side? That's ugly, isn't it? But it's true. Why can't we just pray and tell him I love him? And I know that you're omnipresent and just dwell on that one thing. There's seven omnis. There's another one, Jeannie. The seven omnis. Jeannie made the mistake of telling me every time I come up with these things, she's been keeping a list. And when I'm ready for it, she's going to share the list with me. So... I'm afraid I may be dead before I go for all on her list. But just fathom for a moment the omnipresence of God in prayer with him. I'm talking to the one who is also in China, speaking to people right now, who's in Antarctica with the seven people who live there, speaking to them who's making himself known to tribes that have never heard the name Jesus. And I'm sitting there with him. And this is just a, this is a brief conversation. We are very selfish creatures. (laughs) And I think we need to come with an unselfish heart before the Lord. I mean, that's part of faith. We're dependent upon Him. See, if faith frees the hand of God to work through you and others, we're going to see Him and our testimony that He is who He says He is and does what He says He'll do. And it's going to be experienced by them. That's the beauty. It's the beauty of the whole thing. That's We are the testimony of God, not the testimony of Mark or filling your name here. And so if you want to be used by God, you must walk in faith. But faith also affects our vision. When we get to verse 3, we see that faith allows us to see beyond what is merely visible to our eyes. We see beyond. We get to see what God's up to. We see heaven as reality. We see Jesus seated at the right. We we see Isaiah 9. With Jesus high and lifted up, seated in his robe, filling the temple. Do y'all remember anybody? You young people are not old enough, but all of us in my generation are old enough to remember the wedding of uh, Princess Diana. Y'all remember that? You remember that train? That was coming in. It was like yards and yards and yards. It's like they're spooling it off that big square tube. 
of material. And it's like, and everybody's like, wow, look at the train. I think that's nothing. I want to see the train of the Lord filling the temple. Why don't I talk to him about that? Why don't I desire to see now what that looks like? But Lord, they hurt my feelings. They said such and such to me. We need to see beyond this place, folks. This ain't our home. (laughs) We're putting such deep roots down here and this place is not our home. I don't care if you get $10 million or $1 or you're $10 million in the hole. It doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus paid it all. And we need to fall back in love with Him. See, He tells us here that by faith we understand that the words, the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. Now, isn't that interesting? The phraseology. Does that remind you of another verse in the New Testament? Maybe John 1.1. And the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld Him as the only begotten Son of God. So when it tells us here... That we will understand the word, the worlds were prepared by the word of God. We understand that the worlds were prepared by Jesus Christ. By faith, we understand that. Because there's so much garbage today. It's so funny. I was listening to, are there many science people in here? Me and a couple of us. I was listening to somebody on um, one of these exploration, a science exploration show, and they were talking, they were speaking definitively, and then in the same breath they said, but there's so much we don't know. And I'm like, how can you be definitive when you don't know? And they were having to revise what they understood, even about our planetary system because of discoveries. And I thought, I want to talk to the one who created the whole thing. I want to talk to the one that has all the knowledge. I don't want to talk to people guessing. We don't need no guessing. Why would we want to guess when we can know? We're told here that faith allows us to understand that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. See, God does not need something that exists to create. That's the beauty of what happened with uh, the rod of Aaron, the staff. And that in that whole exchange, when they were copying the miracles of God, when, they, when, it, when, it, when it was changing substance, they did that. When it, when it was a branded creation, the soothsayers could not do it. They could not replicate it because only God can create out of nothing. They could not do it. And so when we hear faith here, 
We understand that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God didn't just fashion this world. He spoke it into existence. And because he spoke it, it is here today. We didn't evolve from some primordial soup. I mean, I barely even like soup. Maybe it's because I'm so far removed from it. I don't know. But God created this whole thing. As it is. He even said there would be a greater light and a lesser light. Amazing how God knew that from the very beginning. And so faith in our vision. See, uh, God exists beyond the physical realm, yet he impacts it. He's not held by the dimensions that we're held by. He's not limited by time and space like we are. You know, there was a, there was an interesting conversation we had in seminary. It was interesting to us anyway. Remember when Jesus came walking on the water? You know, when, when Peter said, if that's you, Jesus, I love that. If that's you, Jesus, wait a minute, you just called him Jesus. I mean, if that's you, if that's you, because he's walking on the water, did he do that as the second Adam? Or did he do that? Was it a true miracle? Because Adam had dominion over all the earth, didn't he? For all you theologians out here, here's your question. Did he have dominion over that as the second Adam unfallen? Or did he have dominion over the water because he was God? And it was a true miracle. These don't bless anybody, these conversations. They're interesting. I'll leave you to ponder that. And if you if you want to know, just talk to Stephen afterwards. He'll be glad to talk to you about <laughs> One of these days I'm gonna let Stephen preach when I'm here and not dying in a hospital somewhere. <laughs> and so faith gives us vision. Faith lets us see into the spiritual realm of what God's doing around us so we can participate with Him instead of trying to come up with something for Him. That's what faith is about. Well, I gotta serve, you know, I don't gotta, I gotta serve God, I gotta come up, you know, what can we do for God? Wait a minute, what has God asked you to do? What has He asked you to do? So do you want to see what He's up to? And join it? If you do, walk in faith. Walk in faith. You know, as we see what faith is, we learn how it affects us. Faith, one, faith is, what does this leave us with? Faith is not blind hope. It's not an arbitrary emotion hoping God comes through. Man, I just... I put my faith in hope he comes through. We use it like that all the time. That's not faith. Faith sees what God said and expresses confidence in him to follow through. You know, I love what the guys said when they were going into the furnace. They said, God can deliver us, and if he doesn't, so be it. They were confident in their faith in the hand of God, no matter what it is. 
And what if God hadn't rescued them? Would we still tell that story? If that was God's choice that day, it still would have been godly and holy. So faith is not blind hope. Two, making the decision to trust God at His word is the beginning of being used. Many people simply want to be used by God because they're good people and they care. Well, you know, I just, I just want to be used by God. You know, I try to live my life the right way and I just want God to use me. You know, it's really interesting. Jesus said there's none good, no, not one. And that, that question always, that comment always puzzled me and bothered me. Right? Because he was perfect. But what Jesus was doing is he's trying to let them know it ain't about doing good things or being good. It's about being holy. Because if we eat of that good tree, where does it leave us? It leads us to death. Some of y'all looking at me. The knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil led where? The day you eat of it, you die. And so if, and I was wondering, why was it the tree of good also would make me die? Because if I'm eating of the tree of good or I'm, I'm trying to produce good with my life, I'm, I'm relying on my own resources instead of the life-giving power of Jesus Christ, which is found in the tree of life, only in Him, not by me trying to do good things. I do the things that Jesus tells me to do. And they're not good by definition. They're God-directed by definition. Good is a man-made thing. Listen, we are only used by God to reveal Him. Not to rack up spiritual credits. Well, you know, I just want to get credit with God, you know. I think we I think there's a lot of good intentions, but not an understanding. Three. If you want to see the hand of God, faith is required. Our confidence in God opens doors for him to reveal his activities around us, such as his saving work in those around you. They can make a comment, or they'll ask you. Your faith in Christ opens your eyes to see that. Your faith in Christ opens up your eyes to see his comforting work by picking up on a pain or hurt somebody might be carrying and not voicing. Have you ever been around somebody who just feel their pain, but you can't, they didn't say anything, but you can't explain it, but you know there's something going on. You're feeling it. That's how God works. There's nothing tangible there other than him. That's how faith expresses itself. And that is the natural result of walking in faith. You know, there was a young man who applied for this job. He was at this local newspaper. And the manager asked him, said, well, he came for the interview. He said, can you type? And the boy said, no, sir, can't type. And so the guy makes his note. He said, can you run a printing press? He said, no, sir, I can't do that. So he makes his note. And then he looks at the boy a little bit puzzled. And he said, well, what can you do? 
And the boy said, Sir, I can do what I'm told, when I'm told. And the the boy got the job. And that needs to be our attitude with the Lord. It's not what we bring to the table. It's the willingness to hear and obey. That's the key to this whole thing. And so the question is, are you ready to walk in faith? That's what faith is. We're about to read a long list of people. By faith, they, by faith, they did this, by faith. And when you see the words by faith, remember the definition, the conversation, the confidence, the trusting, the walking, the obedience. And then we're able to see what God was up to. I'm going to say we to bow their head and close their eyes.